You're listening to Passioners Podcast with Norbert Pustai. It's all about meaning, mission, and passion. Before we discuss the details, we met for a coffee with Amy, and it was amazing, her story, her passion, and um, also she talked a lot about the family she has. And um, it was interesting how she started uh, her career. So could you tell us about the career you, you started? Which company was that, that uh, place where you started? And also the program um, you mentioned before. So, hi everybody. Um, so, I actually started, I studied in a, in a business school in France, um, and as part of my studies, I actually had the opportunity to do a few different internships. Uh, all of them were abroad, so I was 19 years old when I actually did my first internship abroad. Um, it was in Vietnam, so it was a very, you know, diverse, you know, far from the culture I was raised in. It was the first time I was leaving my home, actually. Um, so, and that kind of gave me the, uh, the travel bug. Um, and then I did like different internships, mainly in the internal audits or external audit. Um, so it was pretty natural for me that as part of my studies, you know, I would uh, choose one of the big fours um, to uh, after after graduation. Um, and instead, I remember it was a Tuesday morning. It was a day after a big party. Uh, we were very few people actually in the finance class. Um, and I asked one of my friends, like, which big four are you applying for? Um, and he replied, well, actually, I'm not working for Big Four. I'm actually going to join G, um, GE. So I was like, oh, don't know about GE. Never heard about it. It's 12 years ago as well. So, you know, it was not as popular in my home country as it is today with the recent acquisitions. Um, and, um, and so I was like, what are you going to do? So he was, and then he started to talk to me about the financial management program. And the only thing that I heard and remembered, you know, when I actually went on, online, uh, immediately after our, at that class was, uh, it was a program as part of an industrial company who was giving the opportunity to their participants to travel around the world um, for four rotations each uh, for six months uh, in, sorry, if, six months each um, across Europe. And I was like, well, you know, I wanted to do a big four to actually be able to learn. It was a career accelerator, etc. And I was like, this is actually giving me the same opportunity in the same company. Um, so that's why I kind of like, I went online, applied. Next week, I received a phone call to participate in an assessment center. And I actually had already applied and accepted an offer uh, to work with one of the big four in, in Switzerland. So the only thing I cared about at that time was which car I'm going to buy, and how am I going to fund it. Um, but then, you know, I was invited to this assessment center, and I was like, well, anyway, I wouldn't spend, you know, my entire life and career in that, in that company, so it's probably worth, you know, giving it a try and, and participating to the assessment center. And I did, and I actually got accepted. Um, and I was like, okay, so what is it that I want to do? Um, as part of my internships, I actually had, you know, had the opportunity to travel a lot. And, you know, I actually was projecting myself to settle in Geneva. And I was like, well, maybe I want to travel a little bit more. Um, so I accepted the job with, uh, with GE. Um, I started as, a, you know, as part of this, uh, this program. I was 22 years old. 
Um, and I traveled kind of like across, I did my first rotation in France, the second was actually in, in Budapest. No, sorry, second was in the UK, third was in Budapest. So now, you know, I received those Facebook notifications of like, what happened on the same day exactly, you know, a few years ago, so actually exactly 10 years ago. Um, I was leaving Budapest after six great months, and I was going off to, uh, to Dubai for my last rotations. Um, and then as part of like, immediately after this program, I joined the internal audit group for the company, uh, which is called Corporated Staff, and then I did two more years of, of traveling, uh, first year in Europe and second year in the US. So that's that's about like the first four years of, of my of my career. What is your recent role? What is your task and and uh, what have you done before? Mm -hmm. um, so today I'm part of the GE Global Operations organization of the company. Um, so actually, it's the shared service uh, center for uh, for GE. And think about GE as a huge conglomerate. Um, so here in, uh, in Budapest, we have a campus of like 2,000 people providing shared services to other G businesses, mainly in Europe as well um, around the world. Um, and so the, the traditional way to think about shared services is, you know, the back office accounting or some of the transactional activities, but my background is around financial controlling. Um, so a bit more than a year ago, I was asked to um, come as part of this organization and try to build financial controlling um, as a shared service to other GE businesses. Um, I actually had the benefit to take over from my predecessor who had proven a concept that we were able to, you know, that there were like uh, some, some good benefits of doing this. There were some good wins already. Um, so we already had a team of like 35 people at the time I took the role. Um, and then it actually grew over to like more than 80 people um, over the course of the past year. Um, but really my job is leading the organ establishing the organization. So we kind of like started it from scratch. Um, is a lot about, you know, people management. Um, is a lot around, you know, what is a mo the best uh, strategy to attract our uh, new talents in the, organi in the, in the team. Um, where can we find them? How do we retain them? How do we give them career paths, um, etc.? As well as as well, something that is very important is about you know uh, making sure that the businesses that we support are receiving the same level of service as if they were doing the job in their in their own business. We um, already know something about your past at G, but what has G given to you throughout your whole career? So Zuri, if there is one thing that the company has really given to me is opportunities. Um, so, you know, I really had a lot of opportunities to continuously grow and learn every day in, uh, in, my, in, in my career. Um, whether it was, you know, as part of the leadership programs, which, you know, you probably would expect. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you enroll in those programs, you know it's a career accelerators, and thus, you know, you expect to, to really grow and, and develop. Um, but you know, in the past eight years as well that I was, um, you know, that I came off those programs, um, GE has really given me the opportunity to learn every day. Um, and then, you know, at the, at the women as well, not only GE was giving me the opportunity like you would be giving to every, uh, everyone, um, but was also giving me the opportunity to grow at the time that I was raising my family. So I remember four years ago when 
So the boss of my boss at the time gave me a phone call. And I remember it was a Friday night. I had just returned from the jewelry because my husband had, my, my fiance at the time had just like, proposed a week ago and I just had my, my ring uh, adjusted to my, to my finger. And he's like, hey, Yemi, you know this job that we spoke about around about you moving to Budapest and taking this uh, the big role as a CFO for Europe? Um, I think I'm ready to post it, so are you still interested? And I was on the phone, and I was like, Ashim, I'm three months pregnant. <laughs> and I was, you know, I still have goosebumps, actually, just to think about it. And, and of, you know, look, you know, the... The reaction was very positive. It was like, oh, that's a great news. But the thing is, like, two days later, I was actually flying to the US, meeting with him, and I hadn't told even my direct boss that I was pregnant. And I was like, this is going to be the end of, the, of my career. Like, I'm never, maybe I should have just shut up, you know? Maybe I should have just said nothing and get the job and eventually then, you know, be transparent about it. But at the same time, I thought, okay, would I have not said it on the call immediately? I probably ha would have like the worst travel to the US and feeling guilty that I was not as transparent. So transparency actually paid off. Um, you know, despite the fact that I was announcing that I was three months pregnant, they still gave me the opportunity. Uh, it took a bit of time, but actually I was announced as a CFO for the business. Uh, I was seven months pregnant. You need to put things in perspective that in the country I am from, maternity leave are significantly shorter than in Hungary. So when I took the job and I was announced I would be actually based in Budapest and I was seven months pregnant, like people looked at me as like, what the F, like when are you coming back? I was like, oh, I'll be back in 16 weeks. Um, so 16 weeks later, um, you know, I just had the time to go back to France, give birth and, um, and, and, uh, and relocate to Hungary with the family and you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity. And then, look, you know, I got a second child in the, same, in the meantime. Um, and the same thing, you know, I got a second child, went off on maternity leave, and immediately when I returned from my mat leave, I was actually given the opportunity to have an executive job, which is for people that are not from the company, you don't know what it, it, is, it, don't know what it means, but it's kind of like part of like the prestigious band that we have in the, in the company. So. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, when I look back and I compare to my friends, we're all about the same age, we all graduated from the same business school, all of them actually grew up and developed in, in, in France mostly, in French companies, and if I compare the opportunities, you know, and the career path that we've had is significantly different. Uh, none of them got the opportunities I've had, you know, since, um, since we started to be, become moms. Um, and, uh, and actually some of them were actually even, you know, put aside. So, so that's one thing that I'm really grateful for, for the company. We often hear that, uh, you should change job in every three years, but you've been there for 12 years. What are the advantages being at one place at GE? Okay. Well, it's clearly not the money. <laughs> Uh, because clearly, you know, when you move on and you change companies, like, you get more money. And I'm, I know that, you know, if I were leaving the company today, I would probably make 30% plus more. But that would have been the truth 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. So I'm still hoping, you know, that by the time, you know, I decide to leave, it will, it will be, um, you know, it will be good. Um, 
But the really the, the thing that makes the difference is the reputation and the network that you build inside the same company. So I worked really, really, really hard in the first six to eight years, you know, of uh, of my career. Um, I worked hard, I but I built a brand at the same time. And today, you know, I can really afford having the flexibility in my job, despite you know the the level of my responsibilities. Um, I'm. You know, I was given opportunities, you know, not, without ever me asking, you know, to move on really, like they came. And this is really based on, like, the reputation, um, the credibility that, that, you, um, that you build, you know, as part of a company. Uh, and, you know, if you put things in perspective, like, our company is 300,000 employees. So I'm sure that, you know, if that's something that is true for G, it's probably true for a lot of other companies, you know, with, with uh, fewer fewer employees. Um, the one thing though that, uh, you know, I would, um, I would say I'm not, you know, I know that also being part of like those leadership programs in the early stage of my career do make a difference. Um, but anytime there was an opportunity as well, you know, I, I never let it go. How do you plan your career? Do you have a vision, short-term, mid-term, long-term plan? Um, so the straight answer is no. I don't know if that's an expectable uh, you know, answer that, um, that we have for like a coaching or whatever. Um, so yeah, so career plans, I don't have career plans. Um, I never planned to come to Budapest four years ago. I never planned to stay to Buda, you know, in Budapest a year and a half ago. And the only thing I probably planned was uh, when I was an internal auditor, I spent two years there, and I wanted to do a third year, so I was actually planning to stay for three years, and it didn't happen. Um, so the only thing that I really, you know, take care of in my career is making sure I always kind of like exceed expectations, like do the best in my day-to-day -day job, learn from my failures. So in this case, you know, I wanted to be promoted. I wanted to continue on this leadership program. I didn't get the opportunity. So that probably made me also a much more humble leader. Um, I reacted to this. And then the other thing is like, I caught opportunities. So, you know, when they called me about like this move to Budapest and I was pregnant, etc., I didn't think twice. I was like, well, look, you know, that the right thing for the company, uh, for, for me. I also always trusted that the company was making the right decision for me. Um, and I actually have a lot of my friends, you know, who call me and say, hey, Amy, why, like, I've got this opportunity, but I'm not sure, like, the job is too difficult. All the people that kind of, like, did the job before either kind of, like, failed or got fired, etc. What do you think? And my immediate reaction is like, look, if somebody trusts that you can do it, you should just not let it go. The only thing, though, that I learned is it has to be the right thing for you as well. So sometimes there's like a, a bit of pressure to catch uh, opportunities, but the way I've led my, com my, my career so far has always to kind of like be open for opportunities and catch them when, when they, they came through my way. What have been the biggest lessons you learned, and from this lesson we can learn to 
So when I came off this uh, internal audit program, um, I was given a few different options. And, and the one decision I made when I selected the, the opportunity was to take the job which had, where I could have the most impact. Um, I was not, I remember one of my customers, like one of the people that I worked with as an auditor were offering me a job for business development in G Capital based in London. Like super sexy, you know, I was like, okay. And this guy was like very well recognized in the company. And I was like, look, I'm sorry, but I don't want to do business development. I found it was like too fluffy. You know, I wanted to get my hands dirty. Um, I don't want to go to G Capital. Instead, I actually went to like a chemical business, like super small. And I don't want to be in London, um, which was actually a central lo London location. Um, and I would rather go to kind of like any industrial site. And he was like looking at me, he's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, because basically like the reason, you know, where I was looking at the job that I finally selected was really my ability to have an impact and make a difference in the job. So that would be the first kind of like advice. The second is you should kind of like seek for advice and recommendation from your mentors, but even, like ultimately you should make your own decision because like this is kind of like the only thing that you know you will make you feel comfortable. So for that specific job, for example, everyone that was telling me, Emmy, don't take a job with G Water. It's a very small business. There is no executive in the in the region. Um, you're going to lose visibility. You're not going to get the exposure that you need. You're not going to have like the, the career pass. But I still trusted that this was the right thing for me. And a year later only, I was becoming the Europe finance manager for the chemical portfolio. So that was before the CFO role. And I remember it was the beginning of the new year and I was sending my greetings you know, to some of my mentors, and I was telling them, hey, by the way, you know, I've been in the job for 15 months now, but I got this uh, nice opportunity to become the finance leader for Europe. And everyone was like, oh yeah, like you did the best decision when you actually decided to take this job. And I was like, those were the same people that a year before were telling me to not take the job, right? So that was, that was one thing where, you know, you, it gotta be so your, your own decision. The same thing happened, you know, when I returned from maternity leave and I was looking at different options, including the one that I'm in now. I called one of my mentors and he was telling me, look, Emmy, I'm not sure it's really the job that I was thinking for you. You should reach out to different CFOs. And then I was like, look, you know, it's a job that is immediately available. It's a job that allows me to grow in my career. At the same time, it allows me kind of like to remain in the same location, which you know, with two young children at home was probably very comfortable. So I accepted the job on the Thursday night and two days later, the business that I was actually working for was being sold. And would I have not accepted? Would I have actually listened to the advice that this great mentor by best, with the best intention was giving to me? I wouldn't be in the job today. So that's another thing, you know, and I would have maybe had regrets. I may have like blamed him for it. So, so that's one thing, you know, it's got to be your, your own decision. Now, the third thing that I, I have two more I, things that I want to add. One is you got to be doing every single, like the best thing that you can every single day, because ultimately that's the only thing you control. So, you know, in our conglomerate, you know, there's a lot of business like, 
being sold, and one day you're in, the other day you may be out. The only thing that you really control is your own performance in the job. Um, and this, you can sell it inside the company, you can sell it externally, it will always give you the, the confidence that you can like, sit in front of an interviewer and a hiring manager and tell the great thing that you are about. The last advice that I would give, which is a completely different topic, but I received it uh, not too long ago, and I think it's very important, and I always give it as an advice to whoever I speak to, is the power of your peers. Um, you know, we often think that the most important thing to do is to, you know, make sure we get visibility, you know, shine to the leadership, etc. But your peers may work for you one day, you may work for them as well, or they may be in a different job. And one day, when you apply for a different role, someone in their network may give them a phone call and say, oh, do you know Emmy? I remember, like, apparently you work together in the water business, like, what do you think about her? And, and that's one thing, you know, which is not frequently given, but which I think is very, very important, is don't underestimate the power of your peers. Passioners means a person who has passion. So when I talk to people in the last two years, I realize that they do things, they do activities, they do tasks with passion. But for example, a guy who is a bartender, he does it not just for this task to be done, to have one cocktail done, but he has a higher purpose, he has a mission with his work to make uh, the guests smile, make the gastronomy in a higher level. What is your mission with your work and what are those activities that you are passionate about? Well, before becoming a mom, I had a lot of activities I was passionate about, like hiking, dancing, etc. Um, they significantly shrink, you know, when I became a mom and, and became an executive as well. So those, were those are probably the two passions that I can afford um, today. And most of the time that I spend is in the office as well. So really, it, it may sound cheesy, but the one thing that I really am passionate about is the development of people. Um, and it's true in my job, you know, and I, I do it not only with my direct staff, but I do it as well with my entire organization, thinking about like, okay, you know, career paths, what is the right thing for the, the employee, but I also spend time, you know, on an individual basis whenever I see, you know, that somebody may, and I don't know if any of them are, are in the room tonight, but, you know, may benefit from my advice, which may find you know, may, which may be perceived as like unfair because I, of course I cannot afford, you know, doing it with every single individual in the 80 people. But I'm really passionate of like, you know, finding the person where, you know, me having an interaction with that person, me giving them coaching skills is really going to help him or her develop. Um, and part of it as well is about sharing my stories, right? So I'm really grateful of like being able to be here today to speak about it because I, I hope that, you know, with that speech, you know, people will feel a bit inspired as well and like find different tips, you know, to, to grow. The other thing that I'm 
very passionate about is to prove that there is a different leadership style than the one that I grew up with. So the French culture, um, you know, is really about, you know, hierarchy and you can't really get to the next step before, you know, you are a certain age, a certain gender, etc. Um, you also need to, you know, there's like a po very polite and formal form of interactions between the people. So my dad is an entrepreneur, for example, like he used to run like a company of 100 people, but just the way that I saw him acting as a leader, although I respect him, like he's my role model in very many, many aspects, he's not my role model as the way, you know, he was leading his company. So. I want to prove that there, you know, you can be a leader, uh, an executive of a company, but at the same time be very casual, um, you know, very approachable. People in the floor, you know, I actually don't have a, an office. I actually sit at any desk which is available. And recently, you know, somebody was a new joiner, and my somebody from my staff introduced me to that person, and the person thought that I was reporting to my to my direct report instead of the other way around. So it. If I felt good about it because I was like, okay, okay, like they think I'm not too old, but, uh, and I told him like, you, I think you should kind of like make the own, your own conclusions about that as well. Um, so that's one thing like, you know, being casual and also I grew up in the past 12 years and experienced also working with people who were kind of like kissing up and kicking down. Uh, and I'm completely against this type of like, leadership and I really like by me also growing you know and getting to more and more responsibilities I'm hoping to kind of like be able to touch more and more people show them that there is a different way to grow as a leader um, and then maybe kind of like uh, managing those people and kinking their ass one day as well actually that would be the next uh, question about your leadership <laughs> philosophy so do you want to add something or Okay, well, you know, in terms of, of leadership, um, there, is, there is one thing that, you know, I, is very, very important for me is a trust. And, and my, in my opinion, the trust needs to be like two ways. So, you know, one thing is like, okay, how do you build trust with your own people? Which is not easy, but you would probably expect, you know, from leaders in general. And the other thing which is which I have found you know even more difficult from interacting with other leaders is trusting your own people right so in you know the way I think about leadership is really funded on the on the trust relationship again two ways um, and then there is actually so there's some people who are here you know are going to say well you're so corporate m a you know like completely brainwashed et cetera but one thing that is very close to my heart now, which is part of like the new culture that our new CEO is trying to implement is around candor and transparency. And look, you know, those words really appeared as part of our culture like in the past six months, but those are two words which really resonate very well to me um, and which are kind of like the, if they were like the definition of leadership that I would give, I, I may have not come up with those two words by myself, but Candor and, 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 um, and transparency are kind of like one th two words that are very important. The last thing I would say around that topic is 
you can have trust, you can have candor and transparency, but if you don't walk the talk, you lose it all. So every day in my job, I'm also kind of like trying to lead by example and don't expect something from my people that I don't apply to myself. Besides you are a leader, you are a mom of two, so you have a family. How do you manage your time? How do you manage your life between this G life and the family life? Yeah, so actually I'm going to make a small announcement, I told you. So I'm the mom of two, but I will soon be the mom of three. So if you guys think that I actually <laughs> look big, uh, it's just because I'm actually expecting a new baby for, for September. So it's, most, it's news for most of the people in the room. I, was, I announced it to my mom on Saturday. I announced it to my boss and my staff yesterday. And so today is a big day. Um, what was the question? Oh, family. How do I balance family? Well, um, yeah. So, like today was a very bad day, actually. So, you can share. Yeah, I can share maybe the story. So, um, look, there is, like, if you, th I'm not going to say that managing the work-life balance is an easy thing and especially not today when I actually was awakened at 1.30 a.m. at 4.30 a.m. at 5.30 a.m. and then didn't manage to sleep again. At 5.30 a.m. actually the kids threw up. Um, I had a big meeting with my staff, with my boss, you know, and his staff all day today and I was like, okay, I'm just going to hope that it was a one-time occurrence so he's going to go to the nursery. <laughs> Uh, my husband was flying this morning, at, he had an 8 a.m. flight um, to Paris, so I had to take care of the kids, you know, despite the fact that I didn't sleep a lot, I had to be at 8.30 a.m. in the office. Dropped the kids, kept the phone next to me. Surprise, surprise, 9.30 a.m., I received a phone call from the nursery. Uh, Maxim is throwing up, you need to come and pick him up. I was like, yeah. Oh, really? What happened? <laughs> So I discreetly escaped from the room, sent a text to my boss saying, hey, look, you know, my, my son is sick. I need to go pick him up. I'll reconnect from Skype. Um, and that's what I did, right? And so managing work-life balance is, is not easy, but the company like, allows us as well. You know, there's a level of expectation that Yes, I'm an executive of the company, but I'm also a mom and I also need to take care of it and find the way that I can, like it's the best way I can to, to balance it myself. So nobody's going to, you know, I wouldn't have raised my hand and tell Bjorn, um, my son is sick, do you allow me to go out? You know, it, I took it as, a, as granted that, yeah, of course, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to leave. So I left the room, I sent a text, he was like, hey, no problem, um, I reconnect reconnected from, from Skype um, and followed the discussion this way. And, and that's one th way, you know, that is very helpful, that you feel like you are accountable, you know, to drive results, etc. But at the same time, you know, and there is very high expectation and there are days that I need to work long hours, but then there is an, a flexibility as well that we allow. Uh, the way I, I personally manage it as well is that um, I usually spend my time in the office from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. 
5 p.m. I leave the office, and I'm not shy about this. So you know, it's not like I'm leaving the office and trying to make sure that nobody sees it. I actually like 5 p.m. I leave the open space. I say goodbye to everyone who you know that I see, um, and then I spend quality time with my family from 9 to 5 p.m. Oh, sorry, from 5 to 9 p.m. Um, until the kids are in bed and. And then I work again after 9 p.m. Because again, that's the way, you know, it works for me. And I've been telling my, you know, the rules are very clear as well to my, with my staff that after 9 p.m. they frequently receive emails from me. None of them is expected to respond to my emails. It's just like the way I manage my own work-life balance. Um, so yeah, it's like about communication. It's about flexibility. Um, and then finally, we've got like also... Um, you know, kids zone that uh, are created on, on the campus. So uh, we've got like some offices where anybody can book and like spend time with their with their kids as needed in those rooms. And I very often actually have either brought them by brought my kids by convenience, or actually Charlotte just last week was like, "Mommy, when do you take me to the office?" Because she thinks it's fun. Um, so I actually bring bring her, and I have I host my meetings one on ones, etc. From from this um, from this kids zone, which for me is also like very important to communicate about, so that people feel like they have the right to use it. That it's not like okay, if if you go there and people see you there, then it means that you know you're spending more time with your family than with your work, and as a result, you're not going to be given the opportunities. Oh? What's this kids zone? Yeah, so that's what like those kids zones, and it's like this uh, offices or meeting rooms where we have um, all the furnitures for kids and we have some toys and we have a bed, we have a high chair as well to fit the kids. Uh, so everything is arranged to have kids and then everyone can book it at their own convenience. So I find it very helpful. Actually, I posted on LinkedIn like this. That was most, my most popular uh, LinkedIn post uh, a couple of years ago.